we going? Who recognises that song? Yeah? Anyone born like when that was around? Because I wasn't. I was about minus 10. I think it was about 1965. Yeah, a lot of you were. My dad would love that song. I haven't asked him about it. I'll have to ask him when I see him tonight. But he loves all that sort of music. Well, that song besides the words turn 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 every word is from scripture from this Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and then there's a couple of other words stolen from further in Ecclesiastes but um if there's ever a debate between Christian and secular music well this is a biblical song that's secular so but it's a good song and actually it's probably therefore one of the most famous books or chapters of scripture um in the wider world rather than just the Christian world because it's been made famous by this song that as most of you nodded have most people have heard but um this song is a bit of a poem like it's Ecclesiastes 3 or this sorry this passage of scripture we'll move away from the song is a bit of a poem and you can see in verse 1 of um, Ecclesiastes he kind of sets up his poem and he says there is a time for everything and every season under the heavens and then he goes on and he gives all the examples in verse 2 to verse 8. All the exa- not all the examples in the world, but just actually a few examples of why there's, a, there's different seasons, different times. And then at the end, he does what all good students would like poets to do. He actually reflects on his own poem to give some conclusions. You know how normally when you study poetry at school, you have to make up all this stuff about what the poet was supposedly meaning. I'm sure it's real or your English teachers, but you know, it feels a little bit like we're stretching the truth, trying to find something that maybe the poet doesn't say. But King Solomon, who we were told last week um, as we introduced this book, Ecclesiastes, who wrote this um, book, um, he takes time to actually reflect, well, what does this all mean? And so we're just going to spend a little bit of a time this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. But when we hear these words, we've got to understand that they've been written by someone who has lived a long life. King Solomon isn't just like starting out on his journey and, and reflecting on, you know, a couple of years. He's writing this on reflection of his life. He's experienced life's ups and downs. And he's now wondering, what is the point of it all? What is the purpose? As we thought about last week, it's almost as if he's having a bit of struggle of faith. You know, he says, vanity of van- vanities, all is vanity. Or meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. I think he'd be diagnosed with some sort of depression if, if he was to be, go to a doctor these days. And fair enough, like that, that crisis of what even is the point of life? I don't even get it. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Life is full of disappointment, frustrations, broken dreams. Solomon's experienced life, all the joys, he's experienced the sorrows, he's experienced new life, he's experienced death, and he wants to know why. What is life? What is it about? What's the purpose? And I think if we actually have a look overall today at this Ecclesiastes 3, it's almost an invitation to see beyond our little picture, to see the big picture, to step up, if you like, on a bit of a platform with God, maybe, and have a look and see how it all fits together, how all the seasons are needed. 
So this word time that is used can almost be used interchangeably with season. There's a season for this. And most of us get the weather seasons, right? Don was reminding me this morning that this time last year, he'd landed in America and it was minus 13 degrees. I was actually in New York but this time last year and reached temperatures of minus 17 degrees Celsius. It was freezing. And not so much this morning, but this week we've had some real hot weather, haven't we? It's unbelievable that it's all necessities, but apparently they tell me winter is needed. I'm not really convinced, but apparently it's really important in the cycle of life. But we get seasons with the weather. We also sort of get seasons of life, don't we? I don't know if you look back in your life and you think that was a particularly tough season. I remember many conversations with one of my really good friends, Beth, when I had three small kids, and she had three teenagers. And um, on a number of occasions, I would be sharing about how I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed, a little bit beside myself. There might have been numbers of tears saying, I just don't think I can do this parenting thing. And she had survived this time, and she would say to me, Rebecca, it's a season. You'll survive. Don't worry so much about the details, just do what you need to do to get through this season. Like all other seasons, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Who's relied on those words sometimes in their lives? Knowing that there's not much I can do, but this too shall pass. Often people quote that this is from Scripture. It's not directly from Scripture, but we do get that feeling in this, in this I was going to say psalm. It's a bit like a psalm, but this book of Ecclesiastes, don't we? Actually, there's a time for this, but that time's going to move on. This too shall pass. On our toy distribution day, I helped a lady choose toys for her seven children under 13 that's a season. <laughs> I wanted to sell, tell her with everything that I had, this too shall pass, because surely she has days where she has tears too. But I don't know what 2018 was like for you, but I experienced a number of different seasons, probably even at the same time, a little bit like a cold day on a, in a hot summer season. Sometimes seasons sort of mix themselves up a little bit. And I had a variety of seasons, and, and some of these seasons that Solomon talked about I experienced this year, seasons of silence. Seasons of dancing, not uh, physical dancing, but you know, so to speak, dancing, celebration. Seasons of healing, seasons of endings, seasons of laughter, seasons of giving up, seasons of throwing away, seasons of mending, seasons of new beginnings. I mean, just want to have a look at just a couple of these things that Solomon say, just to give us a bit of a feel about these seasons this morning. Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon lists this two to eight. He lists a whole lot of seasons, and they're meant to be just examples. It's not an exhaustive list, but really just to, to highlight the variety of life that comes our way. One of them says there's a time to mourn, a season to mourn, and there is a season to dance. I know some of you in this room this morning are mourning. You've lost someone close to you, you're grieving, you struggled to turn up this morning because you've got a burden or broken heart and you don't know whether it's better or worse being around people and it differs by the day, but it's the season you're in and it's hard. And hopefully this morning as you meet with God, you'll get some hope, some encouragement, some perspective in that season, but it's going to take a while, but the season will pass. And isn't it just a bit strange that almost in the same breath, in that very same verse, Solomon says there's also for other people and for you at another time, a time to dance. A time, maybe more on the inside to dance, as I said, but a time for celebrating. Maybe someone in your family has had a long-awaited baby. 
born to a family member, you know something that's been waiting for a long time and this is the time to dance. Maybe the door to employment has flung open for you for the first time in a while and you're doing something you love and you're celebrating in that season. Maybe you've got to spend some quality time with family and friends and you're loving it and you feel very full and very completely satisfied this morning. It's a season of dancing, if you like. Solomon says in in another verse, there's a time and season to keep and a time and a season to throw away. Over the last little while before Christmas, we were looking at that concept of uncluttering. Who's done a bit of uncluttering lately? Anyone in their house done a bit of uncluttering or in their life? I love uncluttering. I was a bit inspired and I took that a little bit literally and I went and threw out, you can't even believe how much stuff out of my office this week. Like, I don't know how it fit in the room because actually when I got it all out, it looked like more than a room's worth of stuff. Just ridiculous. But we like to throw out from time to time. But actually, for a time, there was a purpose in keeping the things that were in that office. Most of it. Some of it was probably just hoarding. But there's a time to keep things, but there's also a time to throw away. There's a time to hold on tight to something, but there's also a time to let go, let things be. Solomon says there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. There's so much noise in our world. The noise levels in our head get a bit crazy, don't they? And sometimes it's hard to hear the quiet whisper of God. And I would say for everyone that's seeking to follow God, that's seeking to know Jesus better, there needs to be seasons in our life of silence. And I like silence in small doses, but long periods of silence are difficult. And um, in July, August this year, when I spent um, six weeks at the International College for Officers, we had forced times of silence, day at a time, but lots of periods of a couple of hours at the time of just silence, where I wasn't interrupted by more, I didn't interrupt anyone by talking to them, I didn't interrupt the flow of God by talking to them, and we were even encouraged not so much to talk to God, but just to stop, to be silent, and to listen a great practice. And for me, it was very, very helpful. Not all seasons have been like that in my life, but I really got a chance to hear deeply what God was saying to me, to hear him affirm me, but also hear him challenge me. Times of silence are so important. But Solomon reminds us that actually this season's not supposed to last forever. We're not supposed to always be in silence. There's actually a time that we need to speak. Perhaps you have a friend who needs you to speak up to them, to speak the truth in love, as we say, to speak wisdom or some common sense, maybe to speak some words of encouragement. There's a time to speak. Maybe in your workplace this year, it needs to be a season of you speaking. Maybe you need to speak up about something lacking integrity. Maybe you need to identify or you've identified an injustice and you need to speak up about that and actually do something about it. There's a time to be silent, but that season ends and there's a time to speak. Now, I could go through all, you know, seven or eight verses, which each have a couple of these times in them this morning. But I think actually a lot of them are quite self-explanatory. And as you read it, I'm sure God will help to label your season for you. So this morning, I just want to dig a little bit deeper, actually. And I want us to really think what Solomon was driving at in this idea of seasons. What's the point? What does Solomon want his readers throughout history to take away from this? And I think the first thing Solomon wants us to know or to learn is that it's important to recognize what season we're in and to learn how to fully be in 
that season, to accept it, if you like. Solomon says it's not so much what age you are. We're all pretty aware of how old we are. We can take out our driver's license and check if we're in a bit of denial this morning. But we, we, it's not so much Solomon says about our age, but he want, what he says that we have control over or what we should be thinking about is what season we're in and why we're in it and what God wants to teach us during the season that we're in. As I said, Ecclesiastes 3 won this book. It starts um, by reminding us that there is actually different seasons. There's a purpose in them. And actually life to a great extent, Solomon is saying, is about timing. It's about doing the right thing in the right season. So things that your neighbor this morning is doing in their season probably isn't what God wants you to be doing in your season. Life is about working out what season God has us in and what we're supposed to be doing in that season. Because I don't know if you've realized yet, most of you who have been alive long enough to hear that song, surely you've realized this, but things happen in life without our permission. Did you know that? The world doesn't always depend on our wishes. Maybe that's a good thing sometimes. But many things happen not only without our permission, but are actually against what we want. Not many of us would be that excited in thinking about a time to die, a time to mourn, a time to weep, a time to lose. They're not seasons that we would choose for ourselves. We don't plan for them or schedule for them, but there they are. And like as we learned last week, like a vapor of smoke, it can't be understood, it can't be grasped, it can't be predicted. We can't control it or hold on to it. Because, you know, we don't control the seasons of our life, just like we don't control what weather happens today. God does. And so our activity, our choices, our decisions, they need to flow with the timing of God if we're actually going to be satisfied, which is what we're looking at in this series. It's important that we don't try to force our will on life and actually instead learn to live within the timing of God, to be content with his timing for our life. You know, this is hard and it involves humility. I'm not suggesting this morning that this is an easy process. King Solomon struggled with this his whole life and as Phil reminded us, he was the smartest man on the earth. So it's okay if we're not perfect at this. But let's be honest, a lot of our stress or a lot of my stress, to be honest, comes from trying to get control of what is beyond my control. Can anyone else own up to that this morning? Yeah, a lot of our stress is trying to get control of actually what we can't and what we're not meant to control. Verse 11, as an encouragement and challenge to me this morning, Solomon says, I know, I need to know more in my life, maybe you do too, I know God has made everything beautiful for its time. We say even mourning, is that beautiful for its time? Loss? Weeping, God's made everything beautiful for its time, if I can just let go. Because you see, humanity, we are not the masters of times and seasons. God is the master because he created the times, he created the seasons. You aren't in your current season by accident. It can feel that way sometimes, can't it? But actually, the season that we're in is not by accident. Just take a few moments as I'm speaking to this morning and ask yourself, ask God, what season am I in? 
And what does God want to teach you in this unique and for some of you hopefully um, never repeated season of your life? What does God want to teach you in this season? Because let's be real this morning, some seasons are uncomfortable. They're disillusioning. They're painful. Some of them are just awful emotionally. And the huge temptation for human beings is for us in some way or another to medicate ourselves in certain seasons. Yes, we can do that with drugs. We can do that with food, pornography, alcohol. We can also do it by gossiping, by blaming, by denial. There's a temptation to get a bit escapist during certain seasons or just to try to achieve in other areas and ignore it to take our mind out of the reality of this season. That's the temptation. But this morning, I just want us to stop and consider, what is the reason we're in this season? God, who is fundamentally good, has some good lessons to teach us. So what, what is that? What's the lesson in this season for you? Will you take the time to ponder that this morning, but in the coming weeks as you commence your, your new year? Will we have the humility that posture to kneel before God and say, God, what have you got to teach me right now? I'm all ears. This is my season. It's great. It's not so great, but I want to be in it and learn from it. One of the hardest seasons I've been in as I reflected on this over the last couple of weeks in my life, some of the hardest seasons have been seasons of loneliness. And when I think about, in hindsight, what God's taught me in that seasons is I really think that he's taught me how to depend more closely on him. A season where I've learned that actually Christ is enough. I got to understand him better, to know him as a friend, as a comfort. As a comfort. This can only be learned really by some people in seasons of loneliness. And while at the time I wasn't particularly grateful for that season, I know that there's some lessons that I've learned along the way that I could learn no other way by being in some dark seasons. Some seasons we feel a bit despondent, you know, we can lack courage, we can feel a bit hopeless, overwhelmed, and sometimes we get into a really dark place. Those seasons of loss or self-doubt or humiliation, they can be hard to recover from. I was talking to someone just a couple of weeks ago, just before Christmas, who um, was talking about being in this dark season and um, said that they had choices to make. They said, I was either going to give in to the darkness, is the phrase they used, to get a bit stuck there, to give up, to play the victim. Or they could learn what they had to learn, pick themselves up and be ready to move on. Learn what I've got to learn. What a great approach to the various seasons of life. And while we do learn things in good seasons, and I hope that if you're in a summer or spring season, some of you probably don't like summer, so when I talk about summer, you don't think of it as being a good season, but most people like spring. So maybe some of you are in a spring season, there's things to learn, there's things to appreciate in that season. But I actually reckon that God teaches us some of our greatest lessons in dark seasons, lessons we don't learn any other way. Think of a couple of Bible characters, Old Testament character of Job. He went through a season of unbelievable loss. And he wound up writing these words in Job 13, 15. He says, though he slay me, he's talking about God, though he slay me, I yet I will hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. You know, Job had sorted through, this didn't happen in Job chapter one, this took 13 chapters. 
Job had sorted out so much sadness and grief and loss, he'd processed it. My kids are gone. My fortune is gone. My cattle is gone. My land is gone. My wife is gone. But I still have God. He is my only hope. What a great lesson to learn in the tough season. What about in the New Testament? The Apostle Paul, he went through a painful season of affliction. And in that time, Paul listened to God and learnt from God. And God whispered to him. And Paul recorded for our encouragement. God said to him, Paul, my grace will always be sufficient for you. Are you in a season of weakness? Maybe you need to learn about God's strength. My grace is sufficient for you, he says this morning. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Learn about God's strength. Rely on him in your frailty. If you learn that lesson now, it's going to put you in good stead for the rest of your life, for whatever lies ahead. So Solomon is saying, God is with you in every season. If you allow him, he will teach you some great lessons that will bring meaning to that season, purpose to that pain, a sense of satisfaction that, yes, there is a plan at work and I can trust that God is in control. The other half this morning, I think of what Solomon is trying to say, the second thing this morning, is that actually we need to recognize when a season has come to a close. You notice Solomon moves fairly swiftly through this list. He doesn't get stuck. He doesn't say, for some people there's this time and you're going to be there forever and for others there's this time. No, the whole idea of this poem in Ecclesiastes 3 is that life moves from various seasons and we need to move with them. One of the greatest tragedies of life is when someone you know, isn't it? And someone you know gets stuck in a season in their life and they can't move on. We all know people that were betrayed and this happened like 20 or 30 or maybe 40 years ago and they're still stuck in that fire-breathing season of bitterness and every time we're with them, we hear the same sort of things and everything within us wants to tell them to move on. We know, I know young couples who have very tragically dysfunctional dating relationships and and everyone knows around them that it's not good for them, but they get stuck there and everything inside, lots of people around them want to tell them to move on, but they don't see it. They don't identify that a season is over. I know way too many people who at some stage have had a bad experience in church. They've been judged or excluded The pastor has said something they don't agree with. Someone has hurt them. They were taught the wrong thing in a Sunday school lesson or in a core cadet class or in some sort of Bible study. They struggle today with their relationship with God because they don't have a community of faith to journey with, but still they just won't move on. They won't launch into a new season of trusting God and a group of his people to help them in their faith. It's tragic when we don't move on from a tough season. I wonder if some of you are sensing a little bit of a tap on your shoulder as I talk about moving on. You know that God's done with a certain season in your life, but you're still a bit, bit stuck there. Some of you have been mistreated a long time ago, but you're still feeling really bitter and you need to move on. Maybe today, maybe this year is a process of drawing a line in the sand and saying, today, this year is the time I move on from that season. It's time to leave that season. There's nothing more to be learned in this season. I've got it, God. I've heard what you want to say, but yeah, I've got stuck. I've stayed over time. It's time to move on. 
There is a time to change season. Some of us need to move out of seasons of addiction, substance abuse, food abuse, do what it takes to move on. Maybe this year you need to find an accountability partner, enrol in a program or actually get some sort of help so you can move out of a season because it might be time for you to move on. Solomon, the smartest guy in the world, would say to any of us today, if we're stuck in a season where we've learned what we need to learn and now it's just doing us damage, he would say, there's a time for everything. That time comes to an end. This morning, don't be afraid to move on, to let go, to make room for the new lessons in the new season. What season are you in? What lessons is God wanting to teach you? Is it time to move on to the next season? So as I said, at the end of this poem, Solomon takes time to reflect on what he's learned, reflect to summarise on his learnings. And I really think the summary is really this, point three. Time is a gift from God, so enjoy it. It's more than Solomon giving us permission to enjoy life. He's saying, actually, that's what life is all about. If whatever is happening in your life, you're finding no enjoyment, then ask God, what what am I doing wrong? Why do I need to do differently? This is what Solomon says in verses 12 to 13. I know... Not I think. This is the smartest guy in the world. All these learnings, reflections. He says, I know there is nothing better for them, this is people, humanity, to rejoice and to do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy all the good of his labor. It is the gift of God. Today, he says, whatever season you're in, today is a gift of God. And he didn't give it to you so that you could fill it up with fretting and with disappointment and the hope that something better would come one day. Today, he says, is sometime. What's come along is just what God wants you to have. Don't wait for life. Live it. Embrace it. Find the good in it. Find the good things to do in it. It's more than it's not wrong to enjoy life. It's more make sure You enjoy life and do that in the knowledge that life is short and life is most enjoyable lived in obedience to God. Verse 11 is perhaps my favourite verse in this whole chapter. He says this in verse 11. This is just one part of it. It says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. Do you know what that means? God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. It means that deep in our psyche, deep in who we are, whether we're willing to acknowledge it or not, because some, some of us human beings are not quite there yet, we know that God has set a sense of eternity. God has told us that actually life on this planet is only one season overall and that the season is going to come to an end. God has set eternity in our hearts in that we know that this life is not all that there is. And the best way to live life is with that perspective, with God's perspective of seasons, that this too will pass, our specific season, but also this season we call life on earth. And we need to grow in this season on earth. That's the most helpful way to live. 
Have a look at this from the Amplified version. If you've never read the Amplified version, sometimes I think it's a little bit over the top. It basically takes, you know, for every three words, it adds an extra 10 of just uh, superfluous words sometimes. But sometimes I find them very helpful. And maybe you've got an Amplified translation and it's very helpful to you. But sometimes these verses do stand out to me as well. I think this is beautiful. Let's just take a few moments as we conclude this morning to focus on this. It says that God has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He's also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart, a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Nothing under the sun can satisfy that longing, that restlessness, that sense of needing to know more about who God is in our hearts except God. Yet man cannot find out, comprehend, grasp what God has done, his overall plan from beginning to end. We all want to know the details of God's plan from beginning to end. But we can't really comprehend it because we're not God. But we can trust that the God who is in charge of the seasons, who's in charge of our life, actually has good for us and that he alone can satisfy. You know, that ache the longing, the dissatisfaction that you may feel is an invitation to seek God and to ask what he wants to say to you at this time in your life. Don't push God away in this season. Don't end up in the final season, that eternity, without him, is what King Solomon says. So Anne's going to come and she's going to play for us this morning. She's going to play the music of the song we just sang before, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. But I want to encourage you, the the action point, if you like, today. I want to encourage you to sit here and ask yourself these questions before God. But I also want to challenge you to have a conversation with a friend sometime this week, in the next few days maybe, and to name your season. Be willing to say to God this morning or hear from God and then to say to someone else, actually, I'm living in a season of bitterness. I'm living in a season of mourning. I'm living in, in a season of giving up. I'm living in a season of decluttering, if you like, of throwing away things I need to part from my life. I'm living in a season of dancing, a time where I'm just appreciating all that God's given to me. Name your season. What things does God want to teach you in that season? And am I in a season that I need to move on from? Is it time to end this season? Has that season really ended in God's plan and I'm just stuck there doing the same old things and not moving into what He has for me? Am I trying to plant my flowers in the middle of winter rather than spring? Have I got it wrong? So we're going to ask ourselves these questions this week. I encourage you to. To share with a friend. I'm going to put up the words of verse 3 of my hope is built on nothing less. And we'll sing this in a moment. For a few moments now, I just invite you to close your eyes, to listen to the music and to pray. You might want to come to this place of prayer and say, God, I don't even know what's going on. Help me to name my season. Help me to accept it and teach me in it. Maybe you want to come and you just want to ask God for help to move on from a season that you know is long long done. You've learned what there is to learn and you need to move on. So this morning, let's listen to Anne play as we just contemplate the words of this verse before we sing.
Let's have a look. When darkness seems to hide his face. in this room, there's a number of us feeling stormy seasons, dark seasons. Help us even in those seasons to look to you and to learn what you want to say to us. Help it to grow us in readiness for the next season. Help us to see some purpose in it this morning. God, for all of us, regardless of our season, Help us to know more today as we leave that you are in control, that you are a sure foundation, that you are the one thing that does not change. You do the changing, but you don't change. Help us to stand firm on you this morning. Help us to be an encouragement to those of us in our families, our friends, our workplace, by living fully in the season that we're in by being good examples of followers of you, God. God, we do ask that you'll bring comfort to those who mourn. You'll be encouragement to those who are feeling a bit hopeless. You'll bring hope to those who are lost this morning. You'll bring light to dark places. Strengthen us.